what I'm about to do, we never do, okay? At least not during this time. This church is committed to a very careful exposition through books of the Bible. There's years and years and years of that online if you want to hear what we usually do. Uh, but we are at a unique moment in the life of our church where in the next few weeks we are going to need to transition from this facility into our next lily pad to jump on, so to speak. And uh, so I want to kind of give us a biblical frame of how to think about that. And then I want to tell you about the two doors that the Lord has opened up and uh, why I think He's leading us toward a certain one. And then we'll take a few questions and then spend some time praying. Uh, and then might have time for a couple of spontaneous testimonies. We'll have to see how that goes, but uh, that's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. So if you've got a Bible, uh, I want to refer you to Numbers chapter 13, okay? Numbers 13. And that's the text we're going to be in. But really, more than that, I want to take you to a place, a place in the Bible, a place that is captured by this picture. It is Kadesh Barnea. And it is a place that was in southern Israel, where the wilderness of Paran and the wilderness of Zin, uh, they both laid claim to this area. It also served as a southern border to Canaan and a western border under the Edomites' control. Uh, the Old Testament actually mentions this place 10 times and simply calls it Kadesh. Uh, 14 times it comes up other places, but some significant things happened there. Moses' sister Miriam died there. Numbers chapter 20 tells us that. Moses' brother Aaron died there. Numbers 20 tells us that. But Israel also camped there for quite a while. Deuteronomy 1 tells us that. But the real significance of this place comes from two strategic decisions that were made there. And if I'm honest with you, neither one of them was great. And both of them led to significant consequences. Let's work backwards. In Numbers 20, Moses, after leading the people for quite some time, was in a situation where they didn't have any water. And God told him to speak to the rock, and he would provide water miraculously. But Moses was fed up and tired, and the people had rebelled, and so on and so forth. And he got frustrated, and instead of obeying God by speaking, he smites or strikes the rock... And God is gracious and water comes forward, but he didn't do what God said, and therefore there were consequences, and he didn't get to go on in to the promised land with the rest of uh, some of the folks that were gathered there. So, it was a valley of decision, and a bad decision was made. <clears throat> but, the passage we're going to look at today, same place, another decision and let's just see what happens. Let's pick it up in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. So this is the promised land. That God had said, I'm going to give you this. You're going to be my people, so on and so forth. And he said, Which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran. According to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were the heads of the people of Israel... And then verses 4 through 16, you get the names of those who went. Then in verse 17, you get some of the instruction that Moses gave his spies. It says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. 
Whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell, or if they are cities that they dwell in, or camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether the trees are in it or not. Be of good courage, and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now was the time of the season of the first ripe grapes. And then here it gets really juicy. Look at verse 25. And at the end of the 40 days, so they'd been gone for a while, a little reconnaissance mission. They returned from spying out the land, and, the, and they came to Moses and Aaron, those were two of their leaders at the time, and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. So this is a little show and tell. They've gone, they've done, and if you have a children's Bible somewhere, you probably see the, the great little picture of there's two little guys, they're all, you know, happy, they got these huge grapes on some kind of little pole between them, so that's what's happening. We came to the land which you sent us, it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist to look at this and go, okay, well, they did what they were told. Thumbs up for that. And they brought back what they were supposed to bring back. So thumbs up for that. But they also assessed their obstacles, and they said implicitly here, there's just no way that we can do this. That we are not wanting to move forward. Verse 30, but Caleb, and what we know from some commentary research here indicates that Caleb was an old man at this time. It says, he quieted the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once. And occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And then it gets explicit. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought out to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land though which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it were of great height. And we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. Now, there's a lot of debate on exactly who these people are here. Let's just say they were big and large and in charge. Giant-type people. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. And if you look through the rest of the story, what you find out is they decide not to go. And in fact, it gets so bad that they actually choose another leader and elect to go back to bondage in Egypt. This is a cautionary tale that led to their wandering in the wilderness for 40 years until all of the unbelieving generation that did not step into what God had declared for them perished and they didn't get to see the revelation of God's promise. Now, why would we be looking at this passage as a church? Well, let me tell you what it's not. I'm not saying to you that just over the hilltop is the promised land 
of a new location that has an amazing convenience store and some really good fruits and vegetables, but we're going to have to kill some other people to get it, okay? That is not the takeaway from what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we too find ourselves in somewhat of a valley of decision, somewhat of a Kadesh Barnea. And so we need to look here and learn here a couple of things that the Lord has for us here that will help us not just as a church as we seek to move forward, but these two principles are going to help you as parents, they're going to help you as married folks, as single folks, as individuals, and most of all, they're going to help us toward Jesus. So let me make just a couple of observations that I think will help us here. The first one is this, that we should always go with what God says over what we feel. We should always go with what God says over what we feel. And let me tell you something. We feel all kinds of things. I was at a conference this past week up in Louisville, uh, a, a network that I have some connections with, got to visit with some other pastors, and let me tell you, like, there is not a guy in that room that was not in some status of disrepair, not a single one. And it would be very easy to look around at our historical moment, both as pastors and as people, and say, hey, you know what? We really endured through this awfulness that we're going to call 2020 plus, and I think we all thought when we Okay, eventually it's going to come back to the way it was in this magical year called 2019, right? Where you didn't have to think about all the things we have to think about now. But I'm not sure that time is coming back. This may be the way it is now. I hope not, but it may be. And I know this, that if we just go through life simply feeling we're going to be continually distressed continually discouraged, depressed, despondent, and the whole other list of debilitating things that will set back the mission of God and also the mission of God in your life. So we can't just go and navigate simply by feelings. We got to go by what God says. Now, in their case, it was very clear. God had given them a promise Go take this land. I'm going to be with you. I'm giving you this as a gift. But they came up to the edge of the line, and they looked over, and their very understandable fear kept them from stepping into what God wanted them to do. But it's really a tragic story at this point because God had something for them on the other side, and they needed to step into it. Now, again, does that apply one-to-one -to, -one to where we are at the church? No, it doesn't. But does it apply to where a lot of us are as individuals sometimes? Boy, I think it does. Because we are in this culture now that wars against the Bible, against Christian sexual ethic, against Christian parenting and how children ought to be pointed toward Jesus. You look at any way that the culture can come against where we are, and create this feeling within us that causes us to question what God says, it exists in every sphere of life right now. And my encouragement to you, 
by opposite example is let's not do what these people did. Let's step in to what God has for us as a church, as a family, as a single, as individuals. But that has to be built on what God says, not simply on how we feel through life. And of course, where does that come from? Well, it comes primarily from the Bible. So every week, week after week, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about the Bible in community group, talking about the Bible in women's ministry, in men's ministry, so on and so forth. The church has got to remain anchored in the Scriptures because the culture is going to pull our little ship all kinds of different places that may feel right but are inevitably wrong. So we should always go with what God says over what we feel. Now let me give you some even better news. Because you know who's the master at that? Jesus. Jesus was the master of not simply going with his feelings, but by going with what God said. You know, there's one place in Jesus' life and ministry where he said, it is my food to do the will of the one who sent me. Think about that commitment to vision and clarity of purpose and all those things we want as an organization, all those things we want as a family, as individuals. Jesus has what we need. And as we stand in our own, Kadesh Barnea, got to make some decisions as a church, have to make infinite number of decisions as families and individuals, we need to go to Jesus because he's got what we need. Let me also tell you what he's got. He's got grace for every time we get it wrong. And when we do, like these Israelites, shrink back in fear and make poor decisions and have to deal with consequences. Jesus has grace for that. And when we fail and we go to him, hopefully it's very quickly, but he never looks at us and shakes his head in disgust and says, I just wish that you would have gotten it right this time. In fact, it's the exact opposite. He beckons us to come with our weariness, with our heavy ladenness, and figuratively speaking here, wraps his arms of love around us and helps us do better next time. And let me tell you one other good thing about Jesus here. Look back in your text about what Caleb said there. The one voice of reason against the craziness of we can't do this. You know who Jesus also is? He is the true and better Caleb. Because though Caleb's words were of passion and vision and encouragement for these Israelites this morning, or that morning, Jesus' words of that for us are even greater. Because he isn't just calling us to an earthly promised land. He is calling us toward an ultimate promised land, which he secured for us with his own blood. What did he say right before he left? He said, be encouraged. My father's house has many rooms. I have gone to prepare a place for you. And so we're just looking for a building as a church. But you need to know as individuals, there's a whole bunch of buildings. Maybe they're literal. Maybe they're figurative. But whatever is waiting for, in, for us in the ultimate promised land in heaven is going to be a lot better than a place to meet on Sundays. 
Let that encourage your hearts that the true and better Caleb is calling us toward the ultimate promised land. And he has the grace and the power to get us where we need to go. So when you look at it that way, it makes good sense that we should always go with what God says over what we feel. Let me give you one other principle here. Because I don't want to short sell the difficulty of what it would have been like for these people to step into what God had for them. I certainly don't want to short sell the difficulty that all of us have experienced in ministry over the past couple of years and experience now. But let me give you this news. Number two, even though doing what God says may be difficult, it is the path to the life that we really want. Even though doing what God says may be difficult, it is the path to the life that we really want. I don't know how many of you guys um, give two winks about the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I sort of care. Uh, I really cared a few years ago when the trilogy came out, and now I'm sort of into it that the, the, the new um, 2.0... Amazon version has come out. I know there's some mixed reviews about that, but we just watched, I don't know, episode six, seven, something like that. And there's this scene in there, and I, I can't keep up with all the names because the people that I learned from the first set of movies, apparently now they have like different names and it's different characters, and I'm just sort of lost. But I know this, there is a scene, okay? We'll go with this, where the elf guy leads this group of just like peasant people living out in the woods, and they have to leave their village, and they go over to what becomes their sort of Helm's Deep, even though it isn't some of this big gate thing, and they, they have to really get in it and fight all these orcs to even have a chance to preserve their homeland. And I tell you what, it might be, I won't spoil it for you here, but if you don't have a super strong stomach, you might want to fast forward through some of that. I mean, it's like fake CGI black orc blood, okay? But it's gross, some of the stuff that happens there. And even I was like, come on, we don't need to see that. Come on now. Anyway, but the point that I'm making is, even if you know what you need to do, it is going to be difficult to achieve it. These folks, I wish that they had stepped into the promised land and stepped up and listened to Caleb, but if they had done that, it would have been hard. Some of them would have perished, I guarantee it. And that's what happens in the, little, the, the, the scene that I'm telling you about. But it was worth it for them. And I think part of what we need to see here is there are some things that really were or really are worth the cost to play that game. For all of you who have come for years and set up in this cafeteria, it's been worth it. For all of you who have labored in the children's ministry for years, it has been worth it. For all of you that have spent countless hours around fire pits and in living rooms teaching the Bible and doing all the other things that makes refuge refuge, it has been worth it. it those things are going to matter in 10,000 years. And even though they were difficult, 
But that's the life we really want as Christians. We want to glorify Jesus. We want to help children build their lives on a foundation that will help them forever. We want to point people to Christ. So though it has been very arduous at times, it is still the path to the life that we really want. And we need to lean into that. And we need to be encouraged by it, that God has used all of us to play the parts that he's called us to play, and he is using refuge and continuing to use refuge and will use refuge in the future. Now, how does that point us to Jesus? Well, I hope it's obvious. But we follow the master that did the most difficult thing that could have ever been done, and though it looked like he failed... He succeeded and is now in glory. There were moments when it did not look like Jesus was thriving. You look at Jesus where all of his followers abandoned him. Did it look like he was winning? It didn't. When he was stripped naked before the whole world, when he had his beard pulled out and he was crucified publicly in front of everybody, did it look like he was winning? It didn't. But three days later, did it look like he won? (laughs) You better believe it. And even now in this world, as we are living in this tension between the already and the not yet, his kingdom is broken in, but it's not fully established. There are times when it does not look like he is winning, but friends, he is. And part of what we have the privilege to be a part of here is this difficult at times work of God that is still the path to life that we all really want. And part of what we are moving into is, I think, thinking through how do we continue to do that in a way that's maybe more sustainable? How do we continue to do that that allows us to really lean into some of our strengths even more? How can we do that in a place that honors what is already happening but also maybe takes a little bit of the burden off of some of our key servants? And how do we step further down this path that God has for us, even in its difficulty, but experiencing the life that we really want? Friends, Jesus is leading us on that path. Jesus is leading us on that path. Now, let me say that to transition into talking about the locations very briefly. So God has actually done a couple of things even since last week, all right? So what I was planning on doing last Sunday is I'm going to come in, I'm going to present two options to him, and then we'll talk about it, then we'll get the feedback, we'll think about it, we'll pray about it, we'll do some more research, and then we'll come back and say, all right, this is what we need to do. But I think it's gotten clearer since the announcements last Sunday. And here's what I mean. We still have two options, okay? We have two options. One is a Sunday morning option on, uh, in Cool Springs, which is uh, at the impact. There's no I at the, end of, at the beginning of this. It's M-P-A-C-T, impact. Uh, it's a dance studio that meets inside of their facility. So oddly enough, we would be the sublease of a lease, okay? And it will work. It will work. 
They've got a big room we can have worship service in, and then there's uh, rooms for kids' ministry, good bathrooms, the whole deal. But with that, there's some difficulty with it. It would be less set up. Their lighting situation, we wouldn't have to do any of this, might still have to do some of this, but it would be less. But the trade-off is, the way the building is laid out, the trailer has to be parked on the other side of the, of the building. So that means every week the trailer would have to be physically hooked to a car, or truck rather, brought around, or to get the stuff out of the trailer, and they have to drive it down this long thing and make this awkward turn. So when we've looked at that more and more, Though it is an option, and what we really like about it is the Sunday morning piece, I'm not sure that that needs to be our first option, okay? So what does that mean is the other option? Well, the other option now seems to have risen to prominence, and that is Trinity Baptist Church, which is just that way. Uh, It's about, like I said, five minutes from where the Neelys live, so ladies that have come to our house or anyone who has come to our house, it's probably five minutes from there. It's just off of Carruthers, up the hill, Um, and it has a number of things about it that are making us think this is the direction we need to pursue first, and then let's see what God does or doesn't do. Let me show you just a couple of pictures. Here's the first one. So the sanctuary is this, okay? It's cute. It's good colors. Obviously looks a lot better in person. Uh, I think the church that that owns this facility and and meets there, they run probably 200, so they kind of pack this place out. But it's not so vacuous that our church of 100-ish, we would make sense being in there. Um, And then on top of that, let's see the next picture. There's this room kind of right behind there that they use it kind of for overflow space, but it also has a a wall that you can kind of close off. So this is a place that we could use for classes uh, of various kinds. We could have meetings there uh, as needed, whatever. Also, if you look back in here, I didn't take a ton of pictures, um, but I took enough to, to let you see what's going on. There's a kitchen back in there, big double oven setup and that kind of thing. And then on top of that, here's another example. Next picture, please. There's a room right off of the sanctuary. Uh, This is actually plexiglass right here. So this is what uh, most traditional churches would call a cry room or a wiggle room. So, you know, you got your baby. Things are going okay. Okay, now they're not going okay. He starts losing his mind. She starts losing her mind. You can go in there. There's a speaker. You can listen to what's happening in the service. Uh, and there's probably some soundproofing there that uh, he or she can, you know, be a baby, and it is what it is. This is also a room that we could use uh, before or after the service that we could do community groups in there, studies in there, so on and so forth. Then on top of that, I did not take pictures of these. I should have, but uh, the, multiple children's rooms down the hallways. Uh, and then on top of that, outside, there is a playground that we would have access to. There's a full basketball court that um, we would have access to. So, you know, 40-year-old guys, I know you're wanting to hoop it up out there. So just bring all of your, like, uh, you know, uh, safety gear, and uh, you can be a part of that. And then on top of that, the property itself is kind of, it's not secluded, but there's not neighbors right up against it. So when you pull in there, there's a good feeling to it. It's a place that legitimately, if we wanted to have a meal before the service 
and then have church service, we could do that. If we wanted to have a meal after the service or people hang out, it's, it's a lingering kind of location, okay? Here's some other facts that are of significance here. This church would be happy to have us there. And for somebody who's been doing this and used portable space, basically the entirety of my church planting ministry, that's a huge deal. Like, you want a landlord that wants you there. You don't want somebody that is, like, giving you the side eye and the, the groovy or the, the, the crunchy face just for you being their tenant. You don't want that. They want us there. They'd be happy to have us. It's a, it's a very like-minded church. Uh, as Lorianne and I, we were <laughs> looking through the books that they gave away. They're the same books that I would recommend to you as a pastor. I was like, it's a sign. It really wasn't a sign. But it was cool to see those books. Then on top of that, and here's where I think it starts to get a little very divinely interesting. One of the things that, that we have been trying to prepare you for pretty much the entirety of this journey is that anywhere we were going to move was going to be more expensive to where we are. This place would actually be a little cheaper than where we are. And it is hands down the only location, kind of a late addition here, that I have found that was not double or triple what we're paying here. So that in and of itself does not move the needle and, you know, we still need to keep thinking about and talking about our finances. But this would be a blessing to certainly not be, um, you know, taking on more as opposed to keeping what we have. And then finally, I think, uh, particularly after talking to the setup team folks uh, in, in a variety of ways, this place would require almost no setup from us. I mean, you can tell from the pictures, like it is a scratch and sniff church. And so anything we can do to get these guys and gals a break, even if it's just for a few months, because we don't know. I'll say more about that in a second. But we, we feel led in that direction to be able to say, listen, you guys have served with distinction. We want to honor that. Let's give you a break, and we will figure out anything else that goes into this. Uh, I know I speak for Jessica who runs the kids' ministry there out of town today, seeing family, she feels the same uh, way for, for that squad. So that being said, we think this is the direction that we want to try to move. Let me say two more things about that, uh, and then we'll take any questions that you might have on that, and then I want to close out in just a few minutes with some, some time to pray. Um, the timeline of this move, this is how it would probably go. So there are eight times a year. So you got 52 Sundays in a year, right? Eight times a year, they use this facility on Sunday nights, which is when we would have access to it. They use the facility either for potlucks or member meetings or something like that. So that being the case, um, we would have to find somewhere else to be those eight times. I'm not too concerned about that. We got the Fisher Farm. We can use Redeeming Grace Church. There's other churches that would host us just for here and there. What they could not host us for is the every week, right? But two of those times that they use this facility are actually in the month of November. One of them has to do with Thanksgiving, and the other is their, their, their time uh, where they have one of these, I think it's quarterly business meetings. So what we would be proposing is, since Winstead has changed the game and allowed us to stay to the end of November, it seems prudent to us, let them have their two times in November. 
We'll find out exactly when those are. Then we move over there after that, and then we can just stay for a season and then figure out what the Lord wants us to do in the longer term. So the short term would be move from here, end of November-ish, stay there, rest, pray, uh, linger, do ministry, jump back into you know Colossians, do all the things that we would have done here, and then you know Q1 next year sometime, uh, kind of figure out what the Lord is saying to us about the way forward. Because here's the other thing. That first location that I told you about, they are looking to move on from there in January, and they are looking to potentially buy a building. And there has been a conversation there that I've mentioned to you about where we could potentially become their long-term tenant for Sunday morning uh, in that space. But that's, there's a lot of ifs in there, right? They've got to find a place. It's got to make sense financially. So we're not saying this is the plan. We're saying we've had that conversation. But what this place would allow us to do, move in, check all the boxes that I just talked about, and then revisit that if that loops back around. So in summary, what I feel like has happened here is that the Lord has answered our prayer in our own little Kadesh Barnea. That we've come up to this valley of decision, and we have talked about it for months. We have prayed and prayed and prayed, and it seems that the Lord has given us two good options. And now we're going to lean toward and pursue this Sunday night option. Uh, they're working on the paperwork now. We'll make, make sure that the you know it's a good contract and that kind of stuff. And then we go there for a short season that could become a longer season, but that would be a good place for us to pray and think and, and strategize and so on, and then we evaluate where we need to go from there. Okay? So let's open the floor just for uh, a few questions, if there are any, and then we'll go from there. Anybody? My guess would be... We'd probably come back to y'all on this. My guess would be six, because that way you can eat before, if you need to eat before, and you'll still get out of there to get your kids home to put them in bed and get ready for Monday. Her question was, what time would the service be? And I said, probably six. Yes. Yep. Yep. They're definitely open to that. Um, and it would be, I think, probably as needed, you know. Um, they Now, they, the part of the reason we're in this conversation, just so everybody knows, is they have a very appropriate, robust kingdom view of facility use. So they're like, this is God's building. They have, a home, they have at least one homeschool group that meets there, I think, every day. So, for example, could we move women's Bible study over there? I don't, I don't know about that because there's school kids running around the building, you know. But could we use it for some of the other ad hoc stuff that we do? Um, I would think so. Yeah, we just got to work that out. That's a good question. Yes. I think that we would probably do a mix of go to the Fisher Farm for like an outdoor service kind of thing. Um, or we could go to Pinkerton Park or something like that. In, in fact, I actually 
one of the pastors I was with this past week, they have purposely started doing services outside, even though they have a big facility, because they're trying to interface with their neighborhood and be like, hey, y'all won't come in here, so we're going to come out to y'all. Um, so I think that's a discussion we could have. And then also the Redeeming Grace guys have always been like, let us know. But where they're undertaking their own building campaign, that's, that's where they were like, but we can't commit to the every week. But if you're in trouble, give us a call. So I think it'd be a mix of both. Excellent question. Yes. I bet we will. Will we do the same things in the children's ministry? Every week we will talk about the Bible and Jesus and have, probably have goldfish and lots of fun. That's an excellent question. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, I wish I'd taken pictures of that. It's super nice. I mean, it's, uh, so think about that sanctuary aesthetic. It's like that down the hall. And there's five classes, six classes. Jess would be able to answer that. But yeah, it would be, and they're like scratch and sniff. Like it's a nursery for the babies. And then it's like a classrooms with tables and stuff. Think, think like contemporary church. Good questions. What else we got? Right. Uh, I, that would be a Jessica question. Um, and I also don't know that we got that far down the trail. Um, but that's a good question. My, my thought is possibly they would be because these guys are, like I said, they're very much. I know for the nursery, the lady was like, we just asked that this stays a nursery, right? Like they don't want to do like elementary kids in the nursery. So that would seem to indicate we probably could. They, they might even want us to use their toys. And then we just help them pay the cleaning fee or whatever. So, all right. Um, maybe, but I don't know. I don't, I think the problem with that is going to be based on where their unavailable dates are and when we have to roll out of here, I'm not sure we could line up the stars to make that happen. But, I mean, my thing would be, like, from talking to Tim, the experience over at uh, Redeeming Grace was like a very seamless transition. This should be the same or maybe even a little easier because there's kind of more to work with there. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do like two more. Yep. At the church? Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's two guys that I've dealt with. The The way we got into this is I know the pastor personally. Uh, his name is Stephen, really good guy, and he always calls or texts right back. Oh, but he's kind of connecting me now with who is functionally, I think he may have a different title, but like he's functionally their executive pastor, a guy named Craig. Yeah, and he's been great to work with. Yeah. Well, and I've even told them as well, like if we, I mean, they're kind of a, 
This church is old. I mean, they've been around for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, maybe longer, I think. Um, if we've got any stuff that, that can help them, we're happy to do that. Uh, so there's very much a good collegial vibe there between us already. But the short answer is yes, probably, probably better than what we've had here. And also another thing to think about, and I, don't, I say this jokingly but not jokingly, uh, I don't think we'd ever have to worry about teachers coming in uh, to our children's classes uh, or there being like corn on the floor uh, when, when you came to church. Well, well, I, I think we'd have, you know, a different set of things to think about there, but it would be a different, it'd be different. Yeah, I think, um, I think what we're paying here, David, isn't it like twelve hundred a month or something? But it's gone up and down based on. We pay by the week, so that's still super cheap. But this one would be, this uh, this is where I've got to see the final docs on this. Um, I think they're thinking one hundred and fifty dollars a week, which is super cheap for the facility, but then there'll probably be some cleaning fees on top of that. So I don't think it's right. I mean, uh, maybe it is, but I don't think it's right to say it's going to be 600 bucks. It feels more like it's going to be, it may turn out to be about the same or a little bit less. Does that make sense? Because we want to be good neighbors there as well. Um, but either way, the fact that it's any less is, is quite remarkable. And I think we talked about this, but these guys, um, Churches do not want to be in the business of charging a lot of money to use their facility because it puts your nonprofit status at risk. So these guys are very sharp and wise, and um, yeah. So it's in all scenarios, it should still be at least a little cheaper, which is incredible. All right, last one. Or actually, hang on. Now we can do a couple more. I was wrong on the time. Go. You talking about here or there? there. Um, I do not think so. I think they are more like God gave us this facility. We want to help other churches preaching the gospel. Um, so let me say that to kind of seg into the next thing I was going to say is this is the way we are looking at this. And after talking with the pastors that I was with this week, I think a lot of people are looking at things this way. It used to be where are we going long-term? Like, give us a long-term vision. I didn't talk to a single guy this past week that has a long-term vision because nobody knows. Nobody knows. And, and it's my personal take. If somebody tells you they know, I wouldn't trust them <laughs> because I'm like, they don't know. You look at the economy, you look at the government, you look at the military stuff, you look at the church. Like, every like the world is behaving in ways that non-historic, like you can't necessarily say here's what's going to happen because of this. Now, does that mean that you don't lead and you don't have vision? Of course not. But it, I think it means you have to have a different kind of vision where it's like, okay, we're going to do the next right thing. So that's kind of how we're looking at this. So this gets to, to our brother's point over here. We're going to move there for a season and figure out. Here's one thing we're going to figure out. For example, my community group meets on Sunday night, and it would meet during the time that we would have service, okay? So we're going to have to figure that out. Do we do it before? Do we do it after? Do we switch nights? I would much rather try to figure that out 
in an environment where the setup team basically has to do nothing, where the children's ministry doesn't have to bring a bunch of stuff in, um, where we get a little bit of financial either improvement or wash, and it's a really nice place that allows us to do what I think we really are good at, which is connection and hanging out and the leaning into the gospel community side of our ministry, it would allow for all of that even more, I think. I would much rather deal with the things that we don't know and do that than, you know, do, do something else. So, does that make sense? It's a good question. But this is the kind of church, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, there, there might be some other partnership that develops out of this. We might support a missionary together, or we might, they do a basketball camp every summer uh, that reaches out to the neighborhoods because the pastor was like a basketball player in college, so he, he cares about that and he knows about that. We might jump in with them on some of that, some, some real kind of kingdom partnership. Um, this is the kind of church that I would also want to partner with. They want to partner with us, I would want to partner with them, so... All right, let's do one more. Yes. I mean, there shouldn't be. No, I've already talked to them and told them where, where we're coming from and the Gospel Coalition and all that. And he kind of went out of his way to be like, no, we'd be good with that, like you guys. Because they know... Uh, our connection to Emmanuel is almost always, not always, but almost always a good thing. And this brother in particular, like I said, we're handing out the same books and all that. And uh, I was like upfront with him about that. Be like, we might differ on a couple of things. Are, and here's what they are. Are you okay with that? And he was like, oh, yeah, totally. So, yeah, yeah. I've talked to him. I brought it up twice, actually, to make sure that he understood what I was saying. Um, yeah. Really good, really good people, really good people. Yeah, okay. All right, so let's bring it together. So uh, this, is, this is what I would say. What I want to do is I want to basically pray that the Lord opens that door. That's, that's what I want to pray. Now, if the Lord has a different plan, He's going to sort that out, and he's going to fix that out, and we will go to impact, and we will, make, we will figure it out. But it seems to us that for all the things that we want to make priorities right now and all the ways that we want to lean into ministry, that's, that's the tool we need to be able to do that, okay? So that's what I want to pray. And if you have other thoughts or whatever, uh, grab, grab one of us after we'll talk about it. Um, and any of the other nuts and boltsy kind of stuff, those things are going to have to be sorted out once we get their contract, and then also, um, you know, we'll loop back around about a service time and that kind of stuff. But I think in the in the in the summary of all things, it's not far from where we are, which is a huge blessing. In some ways, it's going to make life way easier, so we can focus on the things we really do love to do. Uh, the fiscal makes sense, it seems, and then on top of that. The church wants us there, and it just seems like this is the, what the Lord is lining up for us. I'm looking at this not as a done deal, just so you know that, because every real estate thing I've ever been a part of, that deal is never done. 
until you're walking away with the keys. That's the way I always think about it. And sometimes it's not done even then. It's like that. But it sure seems like this is the direction we need to move. And it sure seems like sometime toward the end of November is when we will need to make this move. So I am beyond thankful because this seems to be exactly what we prayed for. And if it's not, we'll pivot and we'll figure it out. But I'm very encouraged. Yes. Yeah, that is, they got a big parking lot and we can put it up on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's do this. Let's spend a few minutes praying and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper and close out with a couple of songs. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that in that example, you showed us kind of what not to do so that we could lean in what we need to do. But more than that, you showed us how Jesus always knew what to do and Jesus always did the right thing and will help us when we are confused, when we aren't sure, when we fail, and even when we succeed. Lord, thank you for Jesus and that we have a church that is founded upon Jesus and really cares about Jesus. Lord, we do pray that you would put us in this next place. Um, we pray from what we can see that you would open this particular door at Trinity Baptist and that you would give us wisdom uh, to know how to answer some of the ancillary questions that that presents to us. How do we do this? How do we do this, this, and this? Lord, but we know that in the same way that it seems that you have opened this door for us, those questions and wisdom for them, you'll be happy to answer them. You'll be happy to help us on the road ahead. Lord, I also pray uh, that we'd be able to finish well here, that you would give all of our servants strength to do what they do for your glory in this body, and that you would continue to let us see what only you can do in the life of refuge. And Lord, I pray that as you answer this prayer for us as a body, and as we encounter what we hope are minor obstacles on this journey, that we would look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith, as the ultimate pastor and leader of our church, and that you would guide us on this path. And Lord, I pray that as you do that in the life of our church, that you would also do that in the life of every family here, every single here, every individual here, that you would remind us all of the covenant-keeping, reliable, faith-worthy nature of who you are. And may you remind us most of the Lord Jesus. Because, Lord, what better place to see all of your faithfulness on display than the cross and the empty tomb and the gloriously risen Savior. 
So Lord, even now as we enter into this time of communion, I pray that it would encourage our hearts, it would shape and change and inspire us, and that we would be spiritually nourished by this time that we have together. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.